is three. Hello, it's the business windup. Zara, good morning. What are you drinking Hi. today? Good morning. I don't know, really rosé wine, <laughs> so I don't stay well. It was the only one I had that had a screw top instead of a cork, and I didn't want to try to open a cork. It's too early for corks. It's too early. It's too. It's not too early to drink wine, but it's too early for corks. <laughs> you should. You should open it the night before, so it's yes. waiting for you. Right. Right. I think and that's what I'll do next time. <laughs> <laughs> I have got a Chevalier de Bayard. I'm not a wine expert or anything, but I like this wine. It's a red that I'm drinking today. How's everybody doing? Good morning. Welcome to the business windup. Our first official. This isn't our first stream as some of you already know, but this is our first official show together on the Business Windup. And I'm pretty excited. How about you, Zara? I am excited. Yeah. I'm, I want to see where this goes. Yeah. I think I this think is going to be great. Be good. Yeah. I think so too. We got Shane and Steven already joining uh, in the group. And I'm hoping that the chat aggregator works. But regardless of that, we will keep an eye on all of the chats and what you guys have to ask or say. But we already have a, a bunch of questions that we collected from you guys over the last week. And we got quite a few. In fact, I think more than we can cover in um, tonight's, or tonight. <laughs> I'm so used to doing this in the evening. Because <laughs> you're drinking. Yeah, because I'm drinking, right? I think I should take a drink for that. <laughs> In today's show, uh, so we're going to break it up a little bit. But before we do get into the questions, we just wanted to kind of voidoir, fancy word, right? Is that the right word? Voidoir? Have you ever seen My I Cousin Vinny? No idea. I don't think so. Oh, my God. You got to see that movie. It's awesome. <laughs> it's uh, Joe Pesci and Mar Marissa Tomei. It's hilarious. Anyway, okay. give a little background on ourselves, how we got started in our businesses, what our businesses are like. Um, we also wanted to show you a before and after, like uh, one of our earlier photos and then one of our more recent photos to show you our growth as photographers. Uh, so I will sit back and Zara, why don't you tell them a little bit about yourself and your history and then we'll switch over and, and uh, take a look at your photos and then we'll do oh, mine. So, yeah. <laughs> and then we'll do mine. I like, I like that you're laughing at it because it is, it's pretty laughable. It's awful yeah. actually. I mean, you know, we gotta uh, be able to laugh at ourselves, right? Well, uh, everyone else is gonna laugh, so might as well. So I guess a little bit about me. I uh, got started in photography by accident. I uh, never planned on turning this into a business. I was just working at a studio while finishing up my undergrad degree. Uh, I have a Bachelor of Science in Psychology, and uh, when I was getting ready to graduate, the economy was crap. I couldn't find anything. And on top of it, with a Bachelor of Science in Psychology, you can't do anything. You have to get a master's or some kind of a graduate degree. Long story short, I started working for a friend of mine, managing his studio. I started assisting him um, on some shoots when he needed an assistant because I got more money. And then I started second shooting for him again because it was more money and it was fun. Um, and then at one point he was just like, I, I'm done. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, and he just handed me his whole book of wedding photography. That's all he did was wedding photography. Um, he handed me his entire book of business. So wow. I got really lucky when I first started out. Yeah, it was, it was super, super lucky. Like, I am not really sure how I even 
managed to not be successful at that point and I was I was really successful um, but then I had to rebuild my business twice because I moved from here to Arizona completely restarted I didn't know anyone in Arizona um, so rebuilt my business while I was getting my master's degree because again my plan was to work a nine to five job sit at a desk not be drinking wine at nine in the morning because um, that's what you know that's what us grown-up adults do right 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 <laughs> you're supposed to do um, and so I ended up restarting my business. That's when I took it from weddings to more of portrait. And I started teaching a little bit more. Um, and then I graduated with my master's degree in organizational behavior and realized that I couldn't find a job that was going to pay me what I made with photography. Um, so the, at the time I was making about 150,000 a year and it was going to take me 15 to 20 years in a human resource position to get to a point where I would make that kind of money. And that was if I got in with the right company, the right people retired. <laughs> so I said, screw it. I'm not going to be able to pay off my hundred grand of student loans by going and working an $18 an hour job in HR mm -hmm. to try to build this career. And I already have a business and I get to work for myself and at times it sucks and I do want to poke my eyeball out with a pencil, but <laughs> it's actually pretty cool. Cause I can sit here at nine in the morning and drink wine. So. Which is, I mean, let's be honest. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Right. Drinking wine at nine or 10, 10 for me. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I dropped off my kid at daycare. Now I get to drink <laughs> and hang out with you guys. So. <laughs> right. Right. All right. So do you want to show them your, uh, your progress photos now? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. So when I first decided that I was going to start doing more portraits, I had a friend of mine model for me and the first two images. So this one, mm -hmm. we both thought this was like the best thing ever. There is no skin texture. <laughs> She's orange. <laughs> Somehow we made her orange. Um, you know, her hair, like there's strands everywhere. The background's completely blown out. The colors are off. I'm losing the blacks. I mean, there's so many things wrong with this. But at the time, I thought it was like the best picture I've ever taken. And I mm -hmm. find it funny now because I look at it and I'm like, okay, you were, you were photographing weddings. And your wedding portraits didn't look like this. Why? Why did you think <laughs> that turning someone plastic was going to look great? Right. So then uh, it was right after I moved back to Denver, this specific friend of mine um, had had her second baby and she needed some family photos. So they came into the studio and these are. So these are the pictures. new ones now? The ones in white are okay. the new ones. Yeah. Um, and, you know, way, way better exposure. Their skin texture. <laughs> They're looking a little pixelized on my screen, but hopefully they're looking. Yeah, that's yeah, that's just that's just the internet compression. <laughs> um, and you know, it's just night and day. I know I know lighting better. I if I backlight, I know to light them so that they don't get lost. Um, and it's just been this is about you know an eight to ten year progress between that first picture <laughs> and this picture. Yep. Yep. Um, and it's just, it's incredible. Cause again, like I said, back then I thought that was great. And even now I'm looking at this picture and I'm like, oh, there's a lot of things I could have fixed in this one. Yeah, but we're always critical of our own work, aren't we? Right. 
we we definitely are and i it's it's a good thing and a bad thing i think being able to point out our own flaws and know where we could improve is great but also like don't beat yourself up because that first picture my client still loved and this picture she loved and she paid me for both Mm -hmm. i feel a little guilty charging her for that initial (laughs) but she loved it and that's what matters right because we're in the business of selling emotions we're not selling pictures Mm -hmm. Mm so yeah that's that's my story yeah. Steve made the same point. He said, I think everybody's first pictures look like that. And you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. They, they look out. Everybody starts without knowing what the heck they're doing. And then we grow. Right. And yeah. the funny thing, too, is that it will you will continue to have that as you go through your career, as you grow, you will continuously learn, you know, new techniques, new things ways of doing things and you're you're going to still have that where you're like oh my god someone someone paid people for that <laughs> yep. like why why did they do that <laughs> right right <laughs> so. all right so should i share a little bit about mine because mine yes, is a completely please. different path so uh my education background i went to college for a little while then got bored and dropped out so i don't have any kind of a degree at all um and (laughs) i mean in the end i'm glad that i did you know i I wasn't saddled with debt um that really made both my wife and i did that you know we made that decision together and that that saved us a ton of money honestly um right so you know four years i worked um not even nine to fives i worked shift work jobs like i worked for about a decade in a printing factory that was actually a job that i liked it was industrial work uh but i worked on a printing press which was pretty cool uh but you know third shift working weekends all the time i mean that kind of stuff really really drains on you after a while so i eventually yeah. yeah i eventually left that job and uh ended up working both at was I working at the post office? I've worked at the post office for a while. I worked at uh, a half-price books bookstore for a while. And I also worked at a quick trip, several quick trips for quite a while. Um, you know, so all kind of, uh, you know, quote-unquote regular jobs, you know. Um, nothing special, nothing fancy. But what got me into photography was working in that bookstore. And those of you who are familiar with this story will have already heard. Some people have already heard this, but... Uh, sometimes I feel a little embarrassed saying this, but you know, it is what it is. Um, I worked in that bookstore and one of my sections that I took care of was the art section. So I had all of these amazing art books and I was surrounded by all this amazing art every day I went to work and I got to flip through these books and everything. And I was just captivated by, uh, this Betty Page book, uh, of, of, um, Bunny Yeager's Betty Page photos uh, and Irving Claw's Betty Page photos. Um, you know, and she was a pinup queen from whatever the 40s, 50s or so. And uh, obviously part of it was that she was a beautiful woman and I was a, you know, young male. <laughs> but there was also uh, something about the photos that just really captured my attention. And that's what got my interest in photography. Uh, and I started with a point and shoot and I just started taking pictures and trying to learn. And I didn't shoot like any kind of real portraits until relatively recently. Like I started in photography just as a hobby and 
taking pictures of anything and everything I could think to take pictures of. Literally, I took my camera with me everywhere. Uh, but around a decade ago, I decided I wanted to learn lighting. And so I set myself up in my then studio at the time, which was literally just a garage. It was not even a studio. And I decided to take a self-portrait of myself every single day. And not just, you know, set the camera up, snap, I've got that picture, you know, headshot or whatever. Like I was trying to do a different portrait working with my lights every single day. And I learned a tremendous amount uh, over that year. Uh, it was brutal, but I learned a lot. And that, that kind of started me on my path into what became the business that I have. And my business is completely different, as, as some of you know. I don't do typically do client work like weddings or, or you know, uh, portrait sessions and things like that. My business is education, photography education. I make my YouTube videos. I do these different kinds of live streams. I have uh, video courses that I sell, and I have revenue that comes in from that. And to give you guys an idea of the, you know, the income, like last year, my business did about seventy-five thousand uh, dollars. So I'm not six figures with it, but I mean, seventy-five thousand dollars is pretty good, especially for where we live. Uh, and you know, it's, it's affording us the life that we want to live. And I'm certainly trying to grow that, but, um, between the two of us, we figure we can offer you guys as much advice as possible and answer as many questions as possible, which is what we want to get to. So I'm not going to talk anymore other than showing you guys my before and after photos. <laughs> and I decided to pick one of the self portraits because that's where I started with my portrait work. And this is one of those portraits of me. And looking at it, like, <laughs> looking at it feels kind of embarrassing because not only do I look that way, you know, just, I mean, I was, I was significantly overweight then. I'm still overweight now, but whatever. Um, but I also look at the lighting, which at the time, of course, I thought was good. But, you know, now, just like you were saying, Zara, I look at it and I'm like, oh, my God, there's so much wrong with that. Like, <laughs> I, I'm looking at that light on my forehead and, like, there's no yep. rim and that background and, like, you know, everything about this is just, just you know, just whatever. Not good. <laughs> so there's that, right? And then this one, which you guys have seen is something that is way more recent. Uh, and I decided to pick self-portraits because that's how I started. And self-portraits, I don't shoot them as much now, but they're still something that are, that are important to me. And I think they should be important to every photographer because uh, it is a way for you to grow as a photographer by putting yourself yeah, in front absolutely. of the camera. Uh, and so this shows some of the distance that I have come in my time. Also about a 10 year difference between that first and that, that last uh, shot that I just showed you guys. So. I feel really cool uh, and good about this photo that we're looking at right now. Not only because of how I look in it, but also, you know, the quality of the work. Um, again, just like you were saying, I can see the flaws in it as well. But right. <laughs> I've also gotten pretty good at um, learning to not get too concerned about the flaws, because if you do, they can crush you. And you have to realize that most people don't see those flaws, that we see them way more than they do. Right. So, and that's the thing, right? Like our clients don't notice it. Yeah, like, exactly. Our clients have no idea. Like yeah. the reason why you notice those things in the first photo is because you've grown over the 10 years mm -hmm. and you understand how lighting works and you understand how your camera works. And yeah, so. there's a lot to understand and a lot to learn, but I think we've learned a lot and I think that's good. And, and we're ready to share that with you. So 
with that, do we want to start with the questions? Yeah, I think so. All right, let's do this. So we, like I said, we had a bunch of questions from folks and we're going to uh, work through some of those questions for today uh, and kind of grouping them under the, the idea of getting started. Uh, so that's kind of what we're going to be focusing on today. But if you have questions about whatever uh, we're, we're talking about or just, you know, growing your business or your business in general, feel free to put them into the chat. And if we don't answer them immediately or on today's show, we will certainly work on answering them on a future show. And with that, uh, Zara, our first question came from Harry Farrell. And uh, Harry was wondering about, like, how do you actually get started? Starting something like this can be an insurmountable or seem like an insurmountable task. So what's what what do you have to say about just getting started? So, so I mean, I feel like my getting started point was later in my career when I had mm -hmm. to restart my business in Tucson. And I mean, I had I had a few things going for me, like I had a solid portfolio. I had an idea of how to run a wedding day. I had an idea of how to interact with clients, but I would say if I was starting all over, my very, very first thing would be is to decide what kind of a photographer do I want to be? Do I want to be a portrait photographer, a landscape photographer? Do I want to do commercial work? Do I want to deal with consumer clients? Um, so am I going to photograph weddings? Am I going to photograph children? Like there's so many different areas. And one of the things that I think a lot of people make a mistake in when we first get into photography, they think they can shoot everything. And it's, I have kind of an opinion on both ends of that. Cause I think that yes, as a working full-time photographer, you do have to be a little flexible and shoot more than just one thing, like specializing to a specific niche isn't going to be as beneficial, especially when you have to pay a mortgage. But at the same time, like for me, I photograph mostly adults. Like I photograph portraits. I will do families. I will do a handful of weddings a year. Um, I do mainly commercial work and I photograph women. I will not do a newborn. Like I just refuse to photograph newborns. I actually hire out someone. So if I have a client who... And it's so funny because I will tell you why I don't photograph newborns. Um, I have clients who've been with me for years and now they have newborns. I actually hire out the girl that I share my studio with to come in, photograph those newborns, and I will still edit them and I will still do the sales session for them. But the reason why I don't photograph newborns is because you can't pose them. They don't listen. They're three days old. They have no concept of listening. And they pee and poop everywhere. <laughs> they, it is ridiculous. I had a client, this was a few years ago. They came in for their maternity shoot with me. And uh, when they were doing their newborn session, one of my other friends was photographing it. And so I, uh, they asked me to go down and I said, sure, I'll come and help, whatever. I'm not doing anything that day. So I went down there and... You know, we're sitting, we're talking, and all of a sudden, I see her, you know, baby's in dad's arms, he's holding her like this, and I just see my friend go like this. <laughs> and she caught the baby's poop. In her <laughs> <laughs> and I get it, it's just a baby, it's just baby poop, I have a kid, so like, trust me, I've, I've gotten my share of poopy fingers, but they pee and poop all over your studio, <laughs> and then you have to clean it. And it's just, it takes a special kind of person who really, truly loves newborns and that stage and can 
have the patience to get them to sleep so they can get them into those cute little poses um, and then take the time to edit the red skin. And anyways, all of that to be able to really excel at newborn photography. My friend who was doing that session, her newborn averages were over $2,000 every single time. For me, my newborns are like a hundred bucks because I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> so, Going back to the question, figuring out what you want to photograph. Like, do you want to deal with people? Do you not want to deal with people? Do you want to deal with adult people or young people? Do you want to do something like weddings where it's a once in a lifetime event and you really have to be skilled because if you screw it up, you're screwing up there one day versus a family session that you can reshoot or seniors. Anyway, so figure out what you want to shoot. And then you need to build a portfolio. Like you have to have a portfolio just because you have a camera does not make you a photographer. You have to have a portfolio and it has to be consistent. You have to be able to replicate the work that you are showing. If you show someone an image that you're trying to photograph like, but you have no idea how to light, you have no idea what the settings are, you have no idea how to pose, you're shooting yourself in the foot and your clients are going to come back and be unhappy because they didn't get the photograph that was promised to them. So building a portfolio and a couple of ways to go about that, because that's the next question I always get. How do you build a portfolio? Ask your friends and family, bribe them, have them come and post for you. Have them. I did a thing where I was trying to learn lighting. I took a, a Coke can and I set it in different lighting situations, photograph that Coke can to figure out like, okay, this is backlit. This is, you know, side lit. This is harsh light. This is soft light. This is what a reflector does, you know? And so you can pick an inanimate object that you can move around or and better. be or able to practice, but then get your friends and family so that you can have a portfolio. Mm-hmm. From there, I would say, if you are wanting to go into weddings and portraits and things like that, Go ahead and um, figure out who in your area or maybe a little bit outside of your area is someone you admire that you would like to learn from and then contact them. The worst they're going to say is no, and some people will, but contact them, ask them if you can assist them, ask them if you could pay for them to, you know, help you out. One of my biggest pet peeves is hearing people who want the shadow Because what that tells me is like, you just want to learn from me and go like, there's no. And while I love helping people, it has taken me 12 years to get to where I am. And it's been a lot of blood, sweat and tears. I've paid for mentors. I've paid for coaches. I've taken workshop. I've gone to classes. I've, you know, been an assistant. I've been a second shooter for free (laughs) to try to learn and get to the point I am. So it makes me feel a little, you know, it's unfair for you to ask them. But if you come up to me and say, hey, I would love to assist you. What can I do? Can I clean your studio? Can I hold your reflector? Absolutely. Like as long as there's a benefit. For example, my assistant for a while, like she was my nanny. She would come and she would watch my baby so that I could work. And in return, I helped her grow her business. And now she's doing pretty good. She's making a pretty good side income with it. Um, in fact, she just paid for a cruise with the money sweet. that she earned. So, mm-hmm. you know, and I mean, she's got a full-time job still. And so just make sure when you're approaching these people, you're approaching them with the mindset of what can I do for you? 
And in return, what can you do for me? Not what, what can you do for me? And then I'm going to skedaddle. Yeah. Before, um, before you go on, Zara, we just got a, a couple of comments and questions I wanted to hit on real quick. Um, yeah. What, what I wanted to add, um, two, two, just two points. Number one, um, what you were saying about like finding your, your focus. I don't think people realize how damaging it is when you go to, uh, when they put on their website or on their business card or on their Facebook page that I shoot weddings and portraits and babies and events and, you know, um, food right. and blah, blah, blah. You, know, you have a list of like 10 or 15 things. And what you're giving off is the impression that you're a jack of all trades, master of none there. Uh, right. And what you want to do is have like a primary focus. You are open to doing, absolutely. Yeah. You are open to taking whatever job a person approaches you with because people will ask you to shoot stuff that is not within your quote unquote wheelhouse. So those opportunities will present themselves. But if you present yourself as focused on a particular niche or genre of photographer, uh, photography, you will you will come across as infinitely more professional than the person who lists 15 yeah. or 20 different things that they shoot. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then as far as practicing, um, this may or may not be useful for your portfolio, but just like I said earlier, put yourself in front of your damn camera. Um, that's not only going to help you learn your skills better, but I, I promise you, I promise you, no matter how bad you feel about putting yourself in front of the camera and nobody ever has to see these photos, you will be a better portrait photographer. And if that's the avenue you're going for, uh, this is an invaluable skill because you'll understand what it's, be, what it's like to be in front of the camera. And you'll better understand what it's like to sit there, what it's like to pose, and that will help you direct people better and make them more comfortable and create the experience, which is so, so important to the entire process. So Great. Those, are the, yeah, those are the points I wanted to add. Shane's question for you was uh, digital or physical portfolio when it comes to actually having and presenting your portfolio. So honestly, digital is, if you're going to do one or the other, digital would be my way. Have a website, which is one of the other points. Have it on there. Like if you go to my website, my website still shows weddings um, as far as ZaraAshby.com when my boudoir one shows boudoir, but I shoot everything other than newborns and pets. <laughs> I mean, I'll do, I'll do pets like in a family setting, but I don't specialize in pets. I don't really. I mean, I like dogs, but that's about it. <laughs> um, so having a digital one, I would say, is more important. Now, once you've gotten to the point where you're like trying to book clients, like I have album, wedding albums, samples that people can look through because that's what I sell. I sell wedding albums. I sell big canvases, big wall art. Um, and so I have those and I don't necessarily consider those my portfolio. I consider those samples. But my portfolio would be like if someone asked me to see a portfolio, I would send them to my website or I would send them a gallery like if it was something specific like they were asking for headshots which I don't really advertise on my website but I do a ton of them I would send them one of my clients um, galleries just online no one really wants to see hand anymore so much of the interaction is digital that printing them yes it's nice I like prints but for the purposes of getting clients you don't really need the printed portfolio mm-hmm so. All right. Ready for the next question? Sure. All right. Awesome. Uh, before we get to that, let's just 
hit a couple of the other comments. Sandy, Sandy, this is a great comment. And it's true too. Sandy says you can do beautiful newborn photos without the baby being naked, wrapped in a nice blanket with a diaper on and a cute little outfits. She personally doesn't like the look of the baby's butt showing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I agree, you can't, but you still have to deal with a newborn baby. Right, right, fair enough, right. <laughs> um, and and again, got... that's, that's, that's one of the things, right? So if you decide that you want to do newborns, but you want to do them more lifestyle, so you want that to do more in-home sessions, or you want the babies to be covered, like, that's, that's your decision. You don't have to do naked baby mm -hmm. photos. Yeah, yeah. Um, Harry echoed what I was saying, taught, uh, Harry taught himself lighting by being in front of the camera. That's how I learned a lot of my lighting before I started working with other people. Um, and my wife also was echoing some of what I was saying. She says, modeling is hard and it's even harder for people who don't normally model, uh, AKA wedding or seniors. And if you take pictures of yourself, you can figure out tricks to help them pose. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, yep. I do. Um, I do port like self portrait sessions specifically because a lot of times like in my head, I'm like, oh, that'll look really great. And I'm trying to get the client into that pose. And I'm like, oh, wait, your elbow doesn't bend that way. <laughs> right, exactly. That is physically impossible to do. So yeah, absolutely, Kim. Like once, when you do it, you can actually figure out like, oh, this looks good. Oh, wait, this sounded good, but looks mm -hmm. hideous. Let's not do that. Yeah, and, and what, I think, what I think people forget or don't even realize if they don't put themselves in front of the camera is how hard it is, how uncomfortable it is to hold a particular pose for a particular way, yep. you know, when, when a photographer is, is banging off photos for like 30 seconds is a long time to hold a pose. And yeah, try holding a plank for that long. Yeah, right, exactly, exactly. So those are really important things to the customer experience that people don't often think about. Uh, and then uh, one last comment before we go on. Steve was saying that, uh, echoing the same thing on limited focus, he says he's just changed his focus to weddings, portraits, and events and changed his website to display just those images. So he's picked his niche yep. and he's focusing on that, which is really excellent. <clears throat> Absolutely. That's what you need to do. All right. So just a reminder, if you have questions, again, feel free to pop them into the chat and uh, we will make sure we try to answer them now or in a future show. And our next question comes from Molly, uh, more of a comment, but sort of a question at the same time, which is something that I very much can, um, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I get it. Agree I get with. It. Agree <laughs> with, yeah. Which is, Molly says, I found that I'm a good photographer, but a shitty business person. Aren't we all? See, and that's, <laughs> I think, that's where I got really lucky, um, is that I kind of had, because I was running the studio, I was managing the studio prior, I understood and had a better handle of the business side than I did of the photography side. And to me, I think what, this is like the most common thing that comes up with people. They get into whatever art it is. It doesn't even have to be photography. They get into hair or you know, painting or whatever art form it is. They get into it and then they're like, oh, I like, I hate it. And that's why we see so many people going from being self-employed back to a nine to five job because they realize that like, it's a 10-90 split. Only 10% of the time you are actually going to be doing the things that are truly enjoyable and the reason why you got into photography. 
The other 90% is spent on actually taking care of the business. So it's accounting, paying taxes, marketing, answering emails, dealing with customers, and sometimes not so pleasant customers. Um, for me, like editing, I love editing my portfolio images, but honestly, from a wedding, I might have like five that I actually want to edit. The rest of them, I just dread editing. So I send them off to an editor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> my eye out with a pencil uh, and so that's where people get hung up and if you truly want to have a successful business you have to deal with the business side of it you have to have a business plan you have to have a marketing plan and you have to work on getting those things in motion there are I know so many and I've been really lucky with my photography career and being in this industry, I know so many photographers who are incredible artists. Their works are just unbelievable. And yet they are broke. <laughs> <laughs> and I also know photographers whose work is yeah, mediocre, but they're making more money than I am. Mm -hmm. And I want to know how. <laughs> that that makes so me it's think a of... a matter of being a business person. Mm-hmm. It makes me it think of uh, that artist. Who's the guy who says he paints with light? Not a photographer, but an actual artist, painter. Is it Thomas Kincaid? Maybe. I think it's Thomas Kincaid who, I'm you know. With names. Yeah, the, the vast majority of the art world, uh, myself included, thinks, you know, his artwork is not great. To, to you know, I, I'm not one, I don't like to criticize. You guys know that, but... Um, he is a far better businessman than he's an artist, you know, is, is, is the yeah. point. Yeah, absolutely. Just think of like how many times you, I mean, we all know people like this where we mm -hmm. look at them and we're like, how are you making all this money? They, they work their butts off. They yeah. are great business people. And yeah. honestly, it's easier to be a good business person than an artist. So if you already have the eye and you already know how to do it. It is, you can learn how to be a business person. You can't really learn how to be an artist. Yeah. Uh, something I wanted to, to kind of hit on is with that, one of the things you have to think about if you want to turn your photography into a business is uh, the things that you will have to deal with as a business, which is specifically why I chose to create the business that I created for myself. Um, I initially was trying to do... Uh, a more traditional studio business. Um, right. And I realized fairly quickly that I did not want anything to do with that sort of business. Like I principally for, you know, for me, it was for two reasons. Number one, um, I don't particularly enjoy taking photos of, um, you know, family portrait, senior, whatever, uh, that kind of work, like I, I just don't enjoy it. I don't have a problem with it. I see a lot of beautiful work that that is that, but I don't like creating it. And if I don't like creating that, that's going to come out in the experience um, with the client. Number two, I don't, I don't want to deal with clients. You know, right. like that was my bottom. Honestly, that was my bottom line. Like I didn't want to deal with the clients and the people. <clears throat> And so and it's hard, <laughs> right? It is. It is super, super hard. So one of the things you have to ask yourself is, are there parts of this business that, I, that are like deal breakers for me? 
And if they are, then maybe you're looking at the wrong business. That's a really important thing that people don't always think about. Um, you right. know, because there are aspects of the business that uh, that nobody likes, right? There, there are aspects of the business that I have now that I hate. There's always going to be parts of it, but there, they are still aspects that I can deal with, right? Because most of the time it's just me with my face buried in the computer and I'm not dealing with people. And whatever I'm doing still sucks, but at least I'm not also dealing with a person, you know? Right. And that, you know, for me, like, that was my deal breaker. Um, so think about that when you're thinking about the business that you're trying to build. Because if it's a business that you can actually handle the stuff you want to do, then you won't be as shitty a business person as if it's something that you just hate. Just like maybe you hate your 9-to-5 job, right? Think about how much you hate right. that. If you make a job that you hate, you're still going to hate it. And I think the the thing to remember, kind of going off of that same point, is that no matter what you do, no matter how much you love it, you are still going to have days that is really, really hard. Like, I just had a really difficult client that I'm like, why do I do this? But then right after, I had five that were just incredibly amazing. And I was mm -hmm. like, oh, okay, that's why I do it. Yeah. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt, but at the same time, yeah, don't put yourself in a position where you hate what you're doing. Right. I had a, I had a similar situation also recently, which was, um, you know, I was dealing with a bunch of backend and technical stuff. And uh, honest to God, I was ready to burn it all down and just go get a job. And, you know, I'm glad that I ha I didn't, and I'm glad that I'm still doing what I'm doing, but, you know... I want, right. I, I, I legit want, was like looking at, you know, like the local grocery store was hiring at whatever, <laughs> $18 an hour. And I'm like, fuck, I could go in there. I could, you know, close, shut my mind down and just stock shelves yeah. and check people out and come home and collect a paycheck. That would be so amazing. You know? Right. <laughs> yeah. So, Sometimes I like look at my girlfriends and other friends who are like working tonight and I'm like, oh, you are so lucky. <laughs> Yeah. And that, but they they'll say the same thing to me, right? Oh, you're so lucky. You get to make your own schedule. You can do this. Yeah. And so there's there's a positive and a negative to either way. Yep. And there there's no wrong is. or right. And there's just a right for you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so we have a couple questions before we move on to the next point. Steve was wondering what has been your best return on future business um, as in advertising? So is there a thing that you've done that has been like Boom, this really worked and yes. really gave me a lot. Okay, go ahead. So a lot of people think that because social media is so prominent, we need to like spend all of our time and money and all that in social media. But I will tell you this. I can't remember the last time I posted a client workup on any of my pages. Where mm -hmm. my business comes from is word of mouth. And it is the best thing I've done has been to network with businesses who target the same client market that I do. So I know exactly who my client is for each segment of my business. I know exactly who my branding clients are. I know exactly who my uh, boudoir clients are. I know exactly who the families are that I want to target. And so because I know who these people are, I know where they go, what they do, what services they use. So one of the things that has brought me the most amount of business is working with a couple of personal trainers. One girl in particular, she's a dear friend of mine. She actually came to me as a client and then turned into a friend, but she is a personal trainer. She trains out of a gym in Denver. She has amazing clients. She's not necessarily the most expensive, but she has really loyal clients and they trust her 
when she recommends something. Uh, two years ago, over the month of December, she sent me over $20,000 worth of clients. $20,000 in one month from one person. So building relationships with other business owners is just the best thing you can possibly do. It's way better. Like I would much rather take her out for a drink or buy her dinner or do her branding sessions for her for free and have that be my investment than spend money on Facebook advertising. Not saying that Facebook advertising doesn't have its place, but building those personal connections and building those businesses, business to business relationships is what's going to truly get you the clients that you want and recurring business. Nice. Nice. Ah, we've got, um, Shane echoing that all of my business has been word of, from word of mouth. He says, I don't advertise because I'm afraid of being overwhelmed and I have a full-time business as well. So he's doing exactly right. that. Um, we've got, my wife made a comment. This is true. My wife says, but yet you do deal with people every day through emails and comment replies. That's a fair point, but it's different than dealing with like a person face-to-face, -face, you know, a client that I'm shooting and then a client that I have to sell to and I have to deal with all of those right. sort of, you know, very hands-on customer service situations versus I can bang out a comment reply or an email to a person and then like it's out of my mind until they email again and I have to deal with it. Right. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, it doesn't, doesn't matter what you do in life, like unless you're going to be a hermit you're going to be dealing with people. Right, right, exactly, exactly. There's always going to be people around. It's just how, right. how you interact with them and, and how they're part of your business. Right. Um, so Sandy has a question. This is, this is a really good question, too. She says, when did you know that you were ready to do your first pro shoot? <laughs> she says, I'm scared that I'll never be ready to take on a paying client. It's not really low self-esteem. I just don't think I'm at a level to start taking money from a client. So <laughs> my very first shoot, was pretty much forced upon me. Um, we had a <laughs> wedding. This was when we were still working together with my friend who started, who I was managing the studio for. Um, we had a wedding and I was second shooting for him at the time. And I get a call that morning saying, hey, you know this wedding? And I said, yeah. He goes, well, you got to shoot it yourself. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, I have pneumonia. I'm in the hospital. And I was like, no, you don't. <laughs> So I proceeded uh, to go to the hospital to make sure that he was actually in the hospital. Um, and he was, unfortunately he was. Um, and then I proceeded to call every single person that we ever used as an assistant or as a second shooter, anyone I knew who knew how to click a button to try to cover this wedding because I was terrified. Um, Unfortunately, it was at the peak of wedding season. It was that morning, so everyone was busy. There was, I think there was like one person, but they were like in Wyoming. And there was no way they were making it down in time. So um, I just sucked it up. And I went out and I shot the wedding and I didn't die. <laughs> and the pictures actually turned out pretty good. Unfortunately, my friend also thought so, and that's when he decided that he was going to go ahead and just do the destination weddings and I would start shooting the local weddings. I mean, it, I say unfortunately, but in reality, that's that was my first real shoot that I took on as a full-time photographer. Um, and I think my theory is that once you are in between a rock and a hard place, you are going to just do it. 
and you have to force yourself. And when we have, whether it's another source of income or another security blanket, we're just not going to get out of our shell. So if it's something that you really, truly want, you just do it and you'll screw up. You'll have mistakes. You'll, you know, maybe feel bad that you didn't deliver quite what you want. What you have to remember is no one is as critical of you and your work as you are of yourself. We sell emotions, not pictures. My clients don't spend $2,000 with me to buy half naked pictures of themselves. They're spending $2,000 with me because of the experience I gave them. And so as long as you can provide an experience and capture them in that moment, they're not going to care if it's not a technically correct image. There's always going to be a photographer who's better than you. Always. I mean, it goes, that goes right back to the first, the images we showed at the beginning, your first shot with that client and then your more recent shot. And when you shot that, she loved it and you loved it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, 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 the hardest part about it is just putting yourself out there to do it. Um, but if you're, if you, if you can find it within yourself to get over the fear or whatever it is that is mentally holding you back, you'll realize that the worst thing that's going to happen is you will make a mistake and you will at some point, like Zara just said, right. But you'll learn from that mistake and you'll grow and you right. will become the photographer that you want to be, which is a constant process, right? Like I look, I still look at all of the work that I create and I still look for the room to improve on it. So in right. a way, in a way you should always feel like your work is never good enough, but at the same time, you should realize that your work is good enough and you just have to get over that block. And again, I recognize yeah. that saying get over it is easier than doing so absolutely whatever it takes however you need like you know if it's if it's like you need us to give you permission then then i say like like genuinely sandy i've seen your work you share it on the blabs i see it on instagram your work is good enough your work is absolutely good enough for you to start taking paying clients like hands down bar none it is good enough so there's that and maybe that'll help uh we've got a question from harry Harry says, what types of photography, this is, this is an interesting question, um, what types of photography make money that don't require working with people? <laughs> uh, none. <laughs> yeah, I mean, about the only thing you could do there is like stock photography. If you want almost zero interaction with people, then you're looking at something like stock photography where you're submitting your work to a stock right. agency, they accept it or not, and then people buy it or not, and you basically have zero interaction with them. Or, or maybe uh, landscapes. Yeah, maybe landscapes. But I mean, even if you're selling your work as art, like landscapes or whatever else, there's still some sort of customer interaction happening happening there. There's there's almost no way to to set up a business where you have zero interaction with people because right. somebody is buying what you're selling. And at some point, you're going to have to deal with them. How you deal with them, how, how intense that interaction is, can vary. But at some point, there's probably going to be an interaction. I mean, even if we look at professions like software developers or IT people or um, engineers and things like that, even on their end, they have clients that they're dealing with. You're always going to be interacting with some kind of a human. There's no way to limit that um, to not interacting. 
I think the one thing that we need to remember is a lot of times we think that people care about us and have an opinion on us that is, what's the right word? It's more important, but most people just care about themselves. Like most people don't care about what we do. And honestly, like, what is the worst? Cause I get it. Like I get the feeling of being terrified. Like I still do it. I still self-sabotage myself. I'm like, Oh, I need to get, oh, God. this is a great example. Like I need to get a senior model program going. I should have gotten that going in February. I started saying I need to get a senior model program going in November of last year when we were closing on this house. And I still don't have a senior model program <laughs> in tech because I keep putting it off. But what is the worst that can happen? No one applies. Okay, cool. Like no one, no one books a session. Okay, cool. Like what is the worst that can possibly happen if you decide to take a step in the direction that you want to go in? Mm-hmm. Your business fails. Cool. You'll just start another one. You'll go yeah. work for someone else. There, it's not a life and death situation. It's just your ego getting bruised, and I think it's okay for your ego to get bruised occasionally. Yeah, yeah. In fact, that's that's helpful. Um, Andre added that he makes money selling landscapes, print prints, or or wildlife photos and magazines, and those can be lesser touch points, but there's still some sort of a touch point. And right. fr- Frank added that. As a psychotherapist, if you actually confront your fears, it will help you overcome it. It's just really scary and hard to do. And that's that's so true. It's, it is it is yep. scary and hard to do. But what you said, Zara, is I think the most important thing. You're not going to you're not going to die. Right. The, the fear part of your brain is that lizard brain, you know, from whatever, two million years of evolution where it you could die if you made a mistake. Right. You know, the lizard in the wild is like, oh, shit, if I screw up, I'm going to get eaten. Right. But if you screw up, if you screw up your business, the worst thing that happens is your business fails and you go get a job or you just keep the job you already have. Right. What have you lost? Some time. But what have you done? You've learned. Right. And you're still alive. So there's almost no downside to doing it. There's there's almost no downside. Um, Right. Like, yes, your ego will be bruised. But right. If it turns out the way it should, it is 100% worth it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Steve has I a think, Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, uh, I was just going to say, I think it goes back to, I have a girlfriend I was ta- telling you last night who's, you know, for the last two years, she's been looking for a new studio space and like these beautiful studio spaces keep like being dropped in her lap. And she goes, oh no, I'm paying way less for mine. And so last night I just said, okay, you either like get on the horse or go home. Like either you are going to get a new studio space and invest that money. And she goes, but you know, it might be like a $4,000 loss in revenue over the year, (laughs) over the entire year. This girl makes an average of $1,800 per client. So that $4,000 is two two and a half client. Exactly. I was like, so you you're telling me that if you have a bigger, prettier space, you can't book two more clients a year. And she was like, oh, I guess when you put it in that, <laughs> so put it into a frame instead of just being like, oh, what if everyone hates me? Oh, what if no one yeah. books me? Well, what if everyone does? Or what if four people book you? But out of those four, one is, you know, a really influential person in your community. And all of a sudden her pic, she posts the picture that you took of her and then all of her friends are coming to you. Mm-hmm. What about that? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, you miss uh, I, the, this. I, somebody else said has said this, but you miss one hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Yep, Michael you Jordan. <laughs> okay, thank you. Yeah, Michael yeah. Jordan. All right. So uh, Steve says, once I forced myself to do it for money, I realized I could do it. It made it easier and it made me more confident to keep going. I was nervous going to the shoot, but once I got there and it all it all went away because I enjoy it so much and seeing images on the camera relaxed me and we had fun. Right. You got yeah. over your fear. That's exactly it. Got over that fear. And I will say this, like to that point, 12 years in. I still get nervous before shoots. Oh God, yeah. I, like no matter how many times <laughs> I've done it, I still get nervous. And yep. I think once you stop getting nervous is when you're gonna start going on the downhill cycle. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. You know, I I'm I'm not even shooting for clients, and I get nervous before every single shoot because I'm like, shit, am I gonna be able to execute this idea that we came up right. with? You know? <laughs> and I mean, most of the time I manage it. Sometimes I fail, but I learn every time and. And you know, it's it's that fe yeah, fear is so difficult to deal with. Frank said he was just reading about fear and and how it works in the brain before the show. Fear is our biggest enemy, and overcoming yep. fear is probably one of the biggest reasons people don't do the thing that they want to do: start a business, whatever it is. Take your pick. Yep. Um, but if you can find it in your brain and in your your will to recognize that it's just fear. It's just your brain shooting chemicals around your brain to try to protect you from what it thinks is a life or death situation, then maybe you can get over that. Ah, so it's about seven minutes on the hour, Zara. Yeah. <laughs> which, uh, is, this has been great. We haven't even gotten through all the questions that we had planned for the show. Um, but there's a, you know, we've got a couple other comments and do you want to go a little more than an hour? It's, I'm, that's cool fine with me. All right. We yeah. can go, we can get through then maybe what we were planning for today. Um, let sure. me see what the rest of the comments were and then we'll move on to the next one. So Molly, uh, oh, Molly just joined. Hey Molly, we answered your question a little bit earlier, so you can catch that on the replay if you want. Um, Christian says, I get people telling me my price is way too high all the time. I find that they are just not looking for what I can do for them. Yeah, that That's yep. maybe something that you could touch on, Zara, which is um, the price you want to charge versus, you know, the price that other people right. want to pay. So you just have to find, honestly, you just have to find the clients that fit that demographic that are going to be able, because there is nothing in this world that is too expensive. The excuse of like, oh, it's out of my budget or, oh, it's too expensive. It's just that it's an excuse. And it's the, I don't have money and I don't have time are the two most common excuses for anything across the board. People like I will get that same comment of like, oh, your prices are really high when the person is driving a Tesla and wearing Louis Vuittons. Right. It's a matter of priority. Like if you prioritize and you value something, you will pay for it. I think the one thing that we all need to remember is photography is a luxury item. It is not a necessity in life. Like you are not gonna die if you don't have photos of your kids, <laughs> if you don't have family photos. And when I hear people go, oh, well, like I wanna be affordable so that everyone can have beautiful photos, I call bullshit. Like that is absolutely, it infuriates me to no end because 
your prices need to be at a point where you can sustain a comfortable living. Yeah. And the and whole idea of being a starving artist is ludicrous to me. So if your prices are high and people are telling you they're too high, cool. Thank you. You know, go ahead and find someone cheaper. And we've had that experience when I was still working at the original studio. We had a girl come in with her mom and I remember this like it was yesterday she came in and, oh, you know, I've had three friends who you photographed the weddings for and we're getting married in August. Um, I would like to see your prices. So I showed her our prices and she's like, oh, that's really high. And I was like, well, these are our prices, you know, and they're fair for what you get. And so she continued to point out that whoever it was that, that was down the street from us was going to do her wedding for, you know, $1,500. And I said, by all means, we can't beat that price. You know, I'm sorry we couldn't help you. About six, seven months later, she came back into the studio. Um, and I don't think she realized that I knew exactly who she was. But, you know, she was going through. We had a gallery on the wall of um, portrait or wedding work. And she was going through and she was like, hey, I have a question for you guys. And I was like, yeah, what's up? She goes, well, I, you know, we just had our wedding and I got our photos back. And I was wondering if you guys could edit them for me. <laughs> and I just kind of looked at her oh, and I wow. literally just wanted to laugh in her face. And I, oh. you know, I was a little bit better composed back in the day, in my younger <laughs> days. And I said, I, you know, I'm so sorry. We can't touch another photographer's work. Mm-hmm. And she was like, well, you know, we just, we didn't get the images we wanted. Half the images are out of focus. And I said, well, I'm so sorry. I offered for us to do like a styled shoot for her so that she could have some wedding photos Um, But I wasn't going to retouch someone else's images. Oh, yeah. No way. And so you get what you pay for. And people know that. Mm -hmm. They're just trying to get, they're trying to get Louboutins for free. You're never going to get Louboutins for free. Yeah. 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 Steve, Steve was echoing exactly what you were just saying. He says, the cheaper paying clients will almost always treat you badly. They do not respect what you offer and what you do. Higher paying uh, people are the opposite way. One two thousand dollar client is better than ten two hundred dollar clients. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So That's I will take absolutely. those nine no's for that one yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and being able to take that rejection is probably hard for people, but if you you, you realize that you got to stand your ground, so to speak, and protect right. your own interests because. Everybody is after their own interests, and you can find something that's mutually beneficial, but the people who aren't interested in valuing what you have to offer, those are the people who are going to be, just like Steve said, just like you know the story you told. Yep. They're not going to be a client that you want to deal with. Um, yeah, and- we just upped our wedding prices precisely, well, not just a couple of years ago, precisely because of that, because we found that, at least in this area, um, the brides who were paying between two thousand and like twenty eight hundred dollars for a package were the idea of that thirty thousand dollar millionaire, where they think they have a lot of money and they think they're spending a lot, but they're expecting service at the price of like a twenty thousand dollar wedding. And I had one bride. This was years ago. She literally followed me around at her reception telling me to take pictures of her centerpieces. And it got to a point where I turned around and I handed her my camera and said, go ahead and take those pictures. I'm going to go get a drink. She was like, what? (laughs) 
And I was like, well, you clearly know how to do my job better than me. So why don't you go do it? And I'll go enjoy your wedding for you. We'll just switch roles. And that's kind of like, you could just kind of see the light bulb go off going, oh, crap. <laughs> yep. So yep. stick to your guns. Don't give people discounts every time. Like every single time I have given someone a discount, I have regretted, regretted it. it. Yeah. Every single time without fail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, my wife had a comment. This goes back to what we were talking about as far as the fear. She said, I heard someone say the other day, don't worry alone. And that is so true. If you share your thoughts and worries with others, they can point out the things you never thought of. Uh, and they yeah. can help you with things that you don't know. Um, a perfect example of that is is what we're doing right here, right now. Um, you know, Zara and I connected initially at WPPI last year. And that was like a super brief meeting. And then we friended each other on Facebook and that was about it. And then no, it was no. after dark. Oh, it was after dark. After That's dark. it. Sorry, yeah, not dark. WPPI. Right, <clears throat> after dark, and and so we friend, you know, friended on Facebook. And then whatever, two or three months ago now, you posted that post that you were looking for help for yeah. video. And how long had you been wanting to do this? Like three years or so, you said. Yeah, four or five years that right. I've been like, I need to get on this bandwagon. <laughs> Come on. Right, and and sometimes you just need the push that another person can give you. And in this case, I happen to be able to be that person to, to help give Zara a push and, yeah. and overcome some of the challenges that, you know, were inherent to yeah. the thing that she wanted to do here, which is start creating video content. That's a thing that I'm good at. I was willing to help. And now, you know, now we're here doing this thing. So, so right. that goes back to both the relationships and to just putting yourself out there. Um, you know, I mean, I don't know what you expected when you posted that post on, Inst uh, on Facebook, but I have found that when I see posts like that, this has happened to me several times over the years, when I see posts like that and I can genuinely help and I, and I give that help with, um, with no expectations of, you know, right. a return, so to speak, like, oh, I'm going to help you. How are you going to help me? Um, right. I just offer what I have to offer, um, the returns that I get without expecting anything are just absolutely amazing, you know, yep. every single time. That's, that's literally like the one thing that I've learned. And that's why I started teaching more is because by giving, I actually got back more. So like, mm -hmm. it's almost like this weird situation of like doing something for free, which I, I always say like, don't, don't photograph anyone for free. <laughs> But doing something because you truly believe in it, like mm -hmm. because you truly want to help, that return is just like my $20,000 referral. Like, I truly just wanted to help her. Like, she was a pretty girl. I wanted to photograph. She actually ended up buying her images. Like, I didn't give them to her for free. But I wanted to work with her and I wanted to help her grow her business. And in return, she grew my business without either one of us setting that expectation beforehand. I didn't go, oh, I'm going to take these photos of you and you're going to love them in order for you to come back and send me clients. Like I never expected for her to send me clients. Mm -hmm. So I think doing, do the things that your heart truly wants to do instead of listening to what society wants to tell you that you're supposed to be doing. And that's where you're going to be the most successful. Yeah. Yeah. 
So on that note, let's take the next sort of group of questions, which builds on exactly what we've been talking about, right? Now you've overcome your fear. You're ready to start your business. You're ready to charge some money. Um, how much is the right amount for you to charge? And several people asked variations on that question. Photo John uh, 90 on Instagram was trying to figure out pricing that will allow you to live off freelance work. Uh, Frank was wondering, uh, what are the monthly yearly expenses that we should have in mind while we are making a budget and figuring those expenses out feeds directly into figuring out your pricing. Uh, so tell us how to price because you've got this on lockdown, Zara. <laughs> <laughs> pricing is my forte, that's for sure. So pricing is actually really interesting because a lot of people for some reason want to put a value. Like how much is my photo worth? It has nothing to do with your photo. It has everything to do with what do you need to make? And the way I figure it out is I always look at, okay, what do I want my take-home income to be for this year? And how I determine that is based on, okay, I want to pay my mortgage. I want to be able to pay my insurance. I want to be able to feed my kid, pay my car payment, pay my student loans. I want to take vacations. Like I consider all of that. So all in all, I typically land a between my take-home income needs to be between $150,000 and $200,000 a year for me to continue to live the life that I like to live because I like expensive shit. I could probably live on less, but I like expensive stuff. So, <laughs> And I like taking elaborate vacations and I, you know, I like expensive shoes. So whatever. Anyways, I go off tangents a lot, so stop me. Um, so I determine how much I need to make. And then from there, I need to add in my taxes and expenses. My taxes and expenses typically, um, on average, end up about being 40% of whatever I make. And so we take, let's say I need to make 100 grand this year. I take that $100,000 and I add another 40%. So you can multiply it by 1.4 because the one is the 100%, four is the 40 and so at 100,000, 1.4, that should be 140,000 is what you need to make a year to be able to take home 100 and pay your expenses. Some of the expenses that people don't think about when they get into business is the fact that you need an accountant. You need to pay taxes quarterly, typically, as long as you're making a certain amount. Health insurance, you need to be paying for gas and mileage you need to pay for the space you're working in. You need to pay for if you're using a hair and makeup artist. And so the Spiros just posted the cost of doing business calculator. You guys can go through and kind of it goes, it takes you through all the things that you would need, like internet and electricity and gas and all of those things in there that takes to run a business. So enter those. Once you figure out what that number is, you can kind of enter it then you need to determine how many sessions do you want to shoot a year. So for example, let's say I was back in my days of only shooting weddings and I wanted to shoot 30 weddings a year. I would take that 140,000 and I would divide it by 30. And I think that comes out to be like 4,300. <laughs> I can't do math. Uh, $4,600, about $4,700. Okay, so, 40, so my average wedding needs to be $4,700 for me to be able to take home a hundred grand a year and pay my businesses. There it is. Like, that's it. Now for someone who wants to shoot, let's say senior portraits, divide that by how many senior portraits you want to shoot, or you want to shoot a variety of things. For example, for me right now, as like this year stands, 
I shoot about 10 weddings a year. My average on weddings is about $4,800 a wedding. I shoot about 100 boudoir sessions and I average about 2,200 on those. I shoot maybe 20 to 30 family sessions a year. And then I take on about 15 commercial branding clients a year. That doesn't include my, you know, headshots that are sprinkled in. That doesn't include contract work or second shooting or things like that. Those things are my bonuses that I kind of put aside into a savings account and use for fun things. I take my total number and I divide it by, okay, my 10 weddings, my 100 boudoir sessions, my 50 seniors, whatever it is. And that's how I determine what I need to be making on average per session. Some sessions are going to be lower. Some sessions are going to be higher. But as long as you're averaging where you need to be, there's your pricing. It's really incredibly simple. And people really like to make it complicated because that's what we do. It's human nature. Yeah. I think I think part of the reason people like to complicate it is because there's so much emotion attached to money and pricing and what what we do feel is our art. But if you can if you can divorce yourself from the the emotions and just look at the numbers, which are the most important thing, right. because if you're trying to make money to support your life, it's just numbers. And right. and if you figure that out, then you figure it out. And you know, like she said, I posted that link into the chat. Uh, that is a cost of doing business calculator that Zara created that you can get for free that will help you figure all of the things out, all of the things that you won't think of, like the hosting and all of the other crap that that comes on as part of the business. And that'll help you decide right. how much. So definitely go check that out. Ooh, and puppy. here is, I know, they're, they're locked out, so they're making fun. <laughs> the other thing that I think, like, I don't know who needs to hear this, but someone needs to hear it, is that just because you enjoy what you do doesn't mean you don't deserve to get paid for it. Mm -hmm. like, yeah, th that's, 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 I think, a really important thing that people forget. It's, yeah, it's almost like people do. feel guilty making money on something they enjoy doing. Right. But, I mean, isn't that supposed to be the quote-unquote American dream? Right? Like, we do a right. thing that we love and we make money doing it. But everybody feels guilty about it. Yep. And the thing that frustrates me so much, and obviously, you know, it's hard changing other people's mentality. But the thing that frustrates me so much is that people, every person who decides that they want to do a thing wants people to pay for their stuff. But the minute they are supposed to pay for something else that may add value to their lives, they're all, oh, right. I, you know, oh, I, you know, I want a free website. I want to free this. I want to free that. I want to free whatever, right? Yeah. You know, everybody's got to pay. I mean, that's the world we live in. That's the structure of the society that we've built. And if we're going to operate within that, that we, then we have to be willing to ask people to pay and we have to be willing to pay. And it's hard. Like, I still struggle with asking people to pay. Uh, yep. which... And that was, and it's funny that you say that because I'm fairly sure that was one of the questions that Kim yeah. asked. It's the next question. Was... Yeah. How do you get people to support you financially? How do you ask them for money? And my answer is I don't. I don't ask them for money. I expect them to pay. Mm -hmm. And so my process is, you know, they come in to view their images and they have seen my pricing from the second they contact me. They know exactly how much I cost. So they come in, we sit down, we are talking about which images they want. They narrow it down to their images. I hand them the price guide again. And I think I might actually have a copy of one in here. 
that I can show you guys. I do. So like this is an older one. It's this little folio book and it has the pricing inside of all the products we offer. So I hand them this and I say, okay, which pro what are we getting? Are we doing an album? Are we doing canvases? Are we doing a combination? They pick their album, they pick their canvas, whatever it is, we pick the images that go there. And then I say, okay, is it gonna be check, card or cash? All of this is done while we're having a conversation about you know, their next vacation or how fun they, the session was or whatever was going on. And typically my clients just hand me a card. They already know in their head what they're paying. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they'll ask like, oh, okay, what was the total? I'll tell them the total. And occasionally they'll be like, well, can we put that on a payment plan or can we split it up where we do half now, half in two weeks? Perfectly fine. I hardly ever, in fact, I don't think I have in the last six years had someone who go, oh my God, like that's so much. I have to pay you. <laughs> yes. You're in my place of business. You have to pay. I don't provide a free, free service. It's a luxury service. And I expect to be paid for my time. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a mental thing. Like we're not asking for money. We're expecting to be paid. Right, right. Just like if you go to the doctor or you go to the grocery store or you go to Starbucks. Like do you go and order your drink at Starbucks and then go, oh, I have to pay. It's not free. What do you mean it's not free? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you, just, you just hand them a credit card or you just hand them cash. It, that expectation has been said. So I, it really baffles me why people think that because you're a small business that you are supposed to work for free or that you have more wiggle room. And if we have that hesitation in us, like it's all in our, it's all in the way we present it, right? If we have that hesitation in us and we will budge our price a little bit, we can't fault our clients for asking us if we have, we can give them a more of a discount. It's when we said it, that these are my prices, this is what you pay. And that's it. That either they'll respect it and pay you all their respect it and go somewhere else, but they'll respect you regardless. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Asking is hard. I, st I still struggle with asking. Like I said before, my situation is, slightly different because I'm not doing the client work. Um, and so I'm trying to uh, expand my expectations and put out things like my Patreon that I just started using and uh, um, things like that. But you're so right. Like there are, there are so many places where you go and you don't even bat an eye and think about the fact that you have to pay for the thing that you're about to get. Um, right. But the minute that it's something that you perceive as something you want, but probably don't need there. There's this perspective that comes into people's minds that, Oh, well, I shouldn't have to pay for that. Or like, I shouldn't ask of, for money for that. Think of education. Like think of our college system. Yeah. Higher right? education. Somehow it's totally like, I didn't even blink an eye when I spent a hundred grand on my undergrad and my graduate degrees, I didn't, mm -hmm. I didn't blink. Like that was expected of me. Right. But then it comes to like paying for my car and I'm like, Ugh. yeah, do I really, yeah, you live in Colorado. You need a car to get around. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. We've got yeah. some comments and, uh, 
we should probably catch up on those and then we could probably wrap this up because I think this is... I amazing. think so. Yeah. Now, I do have a question uh, that uh, Zara and I wanted to ask you guys before, um, before we get into the wrap-up, which is... If we took this show that we just did here and we do and that we're doing going to do every week, um, would it be valuable to you guys to also have the option to get this as a podcast? So you could download it, listen or re-listen listen to it if you miss the show, or re-listen to it so that you can go over the material that you missed. Uh, let us know in the chat if that's something that you guys would enjoy. Um, going back to the favors and the discounts, Steve said, I had done a favor for a local boxing club for a lower price as I had nothing to do that night and figured why not. And then he said, a few Wait. months later, another club called me to do the same thing plus extras. So I gave them a higher price and never got a call back. And then a week later, Steve says, I seen images posted and they were not great. They looked like somebody shot it on an iPhone that night. And he says, no feelings hurt on my end. Yeah, I had right. my, my wife actually said this. I had the exact same thing happen with MMA rather than boxing. I had, and, and I made this trade because I was fine with it. I had um, shot uh, several different fights for free. Free being that I didn't get paid because I was happy to do it because I literally got to sit on top of the cage and watch the fights. And my wife got to sit right next to the page, cage and watch the fights. Right, so for us, like that was fair payment. I was happy to make to right. make that exchange of value, but I was contacted by one of the organizers who wanted me to take photos of some of the fighters to use for advertising posters, and my question back was basically, um, you know, I didn't I didn't send prices because I first wanted to clarify. Do you mean these are going to be used for the, you? Are you looking for advertising posters? If so, I was going to quote a price. Well, they they obviously realized that and never contacted me back. And I saw the advertising posters and they were they were not great. But again, no, right. you know, no feelings hurt. If they don't want to pay for me, then that's fine. Right. And it is totally fine. Like if you're trading, yeah. I trade with the girl that does my hair. Right. Like I take pictures, the her branding pictures and I do her family photos and she does my hair. Like yeah. that's fine. Like I'm not saying never do anything for free, but know right. your value. Know yes. what you're worth. And no, like, I will never take food out of my child's mouth because I want to do a favor for someone. Yeah. Absolutely not. If I have a free Thursday afternoon and someone needs headshots and they can't afford to pay for them, I'll consider, like, it'll take me 10 minutes. You know, I'll consider doing that. But if I had a shoot that was going to pay me, you know, let's say $100, I would take that $100 over the free headshots because I need to feed my child. Yeah, yeah. I think I think free has become a bit of a tainted word. Uh, and what people need to realize is that you have to you have to consider the exchange of value. That exchange often is monetary, which is obviously fine. It's the norm. But there are other ways to exchange value, and that's also perfectly valid. So. So don't when you're doing something, don't think of all if you're going to exchange value, don't think of it as you doing it for free. Think of it as I'm giving this value. What is the value that I'm receiving in return? And is that a fair exchange of value? Yep. Yeah, that's yep. that's where it's worth it. All right. Uh, Shane says say it louder for the people in the back, right? <laughs> Um, Steven says it seems late, like lately, since more photographers are part time, that people think we just do it for fun and don't need money for the task at hand. Yeah, that that aspect of the business landscape is also honestly one of the reasons that 
I factored in when I was considering whether or not I wanted to start uh, and try to build a studio business. Um, I didn't want to fight that competition and that mindset. You know, there are a lot of, you know, quote unquote, part-timers or Uncle Bob's or momtographers as people like to sort right. of slander them. And I'm not slandering those people, you know, um, but- But there is, is something to be said about the fact that like, just because you do it as a side job, like you don't need the money, that is more opportunity for you to charge more. Mm -hmm. Don't don't do it because you feel like everyone deserves a luxury item. No, everyone doesn't deserve a luxury item. Luxury items are earned. And yeah. for those people who, and like I said, same thing. I know several friends of mine who I'm constantly on their butt about the fact that like your work is really great by the reason you're charging so little is hurting me. And thank God you don't live in the same state as me. Because if you lived in the same state as me, trust me, we would be having a very different conversation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, O'Malley said, this is so refreshing. Awesome. I'm glad that we're able to provide something new and different and refreshing to help you guys uh, with your businesses. And Steven says that, uh, Zara, you're great. Honest info and straight to the point. Love it. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like the bullshit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there's this bullshit is exactly bullshit. Um, Shane says, or they think that the portrait mode on their iPhone will get the same results as our DSLR. They don't see the value in what they what we do. Yeah, some people generally. And those agree. aren't your clients. Right. Like as cliche as that is to say, those aren't your clients. Mm -hmm. My clients have, for the most part, like ninety percent of my clients are really affluent people. They have better phones and better, like they can afford a better camera than I can. Yet they come to me because of the service I provide. They don't come to me because of the pictures I provide. They come to me because of the service I provide. Right, right. Uh, Christian had a question for me. He asked if I charge for the shoots that we see in my videos and on, on Instagram. And, and I do not. Uh, and I set it up this way on purpose. Uh, and I don't know, there are some people within my local community who may or may not like that I set myself up this way, but the shoots that I do, I don't charge for, and I typically don't pay for because they are collaboration. We are exchanging value that is not monetary, but rather that we are coming together as artists to create together. So Angela is my most frequent collaborator and she and I have a, a wonderful creative relationship uh, working and creating images that we wanna create. And there are many other models that uh, I enjoy working with and enjoy creating with. And I wanted that freedom in my business basically, which is again, part of the reason I decided I don't want to do client work because as creative as you can, as creative as you can get in client work, it is still restrictive because you are there to take the client's photos and make sure the experience for that client is what you promise to deliver. Whereas when I'm creating with Angela or something like that, we are together and we are creating art. And that's the experience that I wanted. So my business entirely is built around my educational videos and the educational products that I have for sale. My video courses that you can purchase. Uh, I do get some income from YouTube uh, ads, but it's you know is it's a teeny tiny fraction of the rest of my business. Um, and I have some other streams that are all kind of wrapped around my courses that that come in and help contribute to my revenue. 
Uh, and I set it up that way on purpose. That's the way that I wanted it. I have occasionally thought about charging for it, but every time I think about it, I back away from it because I, I prefer the creative transaction that I'm having with the people that I work with. So one of the things I will say on that for anyone, like I know it probably will work for you, but for anyone else who's interested is like I, so for on the boudoir side of my business, uh, 90, 95% of my clients won't let me post their images. Uh, that's another. And so what that. I do, what I do is I will have like once a quarter, typically I'll have a model call day. And the way I set these up is that they pay for hair and makeup because I'm not going to pay for it out of pocket, but their shoot is free. And they typically get two to three images um, per session. Now, if they want to buy additional images, if they want to buy product, they get that at a discounted price, but they don't get it for free. Mm -hmm. So they get the session plus the two or three images that I want to use for my advertising for free. They have to sign a full model release for me, but if they want additional ones, I'm not going to keep those images from them. And so you typically, I just give them like a 50% off or whatever, just to break even on my product cost and they can purchase those. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's awesome. All right. Um, I think we can wrap this up. we got a few comments that I want to run through. Uh, a bunch of people said yes to the podcast. So we'll look into that. Um, no promises yet, but I think it's something that should be fairly easy to do. So provided that it's that it is, we're going to try to try to make that happen for you guys so that you can listen to it on the go, re-listen to it, whatever you need. Um, let's see here. Steve said some trades are worth money, uh, but let's see. Some trades are worth money, yes, but no extra for me means no shots. Yeah, I need to get paid because I love gear. I think I have a problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And Mark, Mark echoes that when you consider the amount of money we pay for gear, it's only fair you get paid. That's cost of doing business. Yep. That goes back to calculating your cost of doing yep. business. Absolutely. Um, Steven, Steve says, I've already been told for my work that I'm grossly undercharging. That's an opportunity um, for you to yeah, you know, raise those prices. Raise those prices, yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of people are afraid to raise their prices because they're like, well, I'm going to lose clients. Yes, you absolutely will lose clients, but you're also going to get clients that value you more, which means they're going to tell their friends more, which means their friends who are usually in the same socioeconomic standard as them are going to value you more. And therefore, in the long run, you're actually going to build a more profitable business versus dealing with all the people who just want stuff for a hundred dollars. Yeah. Free. Yeah. <laughs> my wife, my wife says your wife wishes you would charge for the shoots. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Honey. Yeah. <laughs> all right, guys, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Uh, have a wonderful week and we will see you next week at the same time. Bye.